Hello and welcome to Across the River, a podcast that weaves together death and dying, tarot, and witchcraft. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Sarah. We are not experts of any kind, simply two witches who like to think and talk about death, dying, and divination. We invite you to journey with us across the river. We are recording across the river in Toronto, Ontario, also known as Tecoronto. The land that holds this city is and has been for millennia a home to many diverse First Nations and Indigenous Inuit and Métis peoples, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. The land teaches us about the cycles of birth, death, decay, and rebirth. We're grateful for the opportunity to live in and learn from this land. Hey, Rebecca. Hi, Sarah. How's it going today? Good. How are you? Oh, you know, it's a gorgeous, uh, sunny winter day outside. Yep. It's winter, um, what is it, November 18th? November 18th. Okay, winter is here. Winter is officially <laughs> here in Toronto. Has arrived with a wump of snow um, that I suspect is probably going to be with us for a while. I think it's sticking around. Yep. Yes. So there's nothing to do but embrace the... Uh, the wintry nature of this season. Which actually feels really great for getting cozy with a cup of tea and talking with you. Yes, and likewise. <laughs> Drinking tea and talking about tarot is one of our favorite winter activities. It is kind of perfect for it. So today we wanted to get into um, our witch origin stories and yes. what witchcraft means to us. So Rebecca, I would love for you to start. <laughs> I would love to start. Yeah, no, I've been excited to talk about this because I think last episode we kind of we sort of leaned into the into the the death portion of our triad of topics. Um and um you know, and we spoke about being witches and how that shapes our perspective a little bit, but I think we just wanted to share a little bit more about what that kind of big, complicated, chewy, complex word witch means for each of us. Um, because it it seems true to me that most people who describe themselves as witches mean something maybe a little bit different with it each time. Mm -hmm. For each person, you know, I think that's a word that's very... It's big enough to contain all, the, all kinds of um, interpretations and definitions and experiences. And so we wanted to share a little bit about how we each came to thinking of ourselves as witches, describing ourselves as witches, being witches. Um, and then, um, you know, and that will kind of give us a little bit more co context for our perspectives as we go forward with this podcast as well to sort of chat about what that word means. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big complicated word. <laughs> oh boy. As we said before. <laughs> yeah. Um, Boy, it's hard to know where to start with this one, honestly. I, I think I've been thinking about this since we decided that this was our topic, and mm -hmm. I still find it, um, I still find it challenging to kind of get a foothold to to talk about what I think the word witch 
means for me as I experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'll start with the with the origin story. I love it. <laughs> um, so my this here is my witch origin story as I remember it. Um, and I should I should fact check this actually with people who were there and see what they remember about it as well. But um, this is what I remember. I think I was about twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was in eighth grade. I was certainly in middle school, and I went with my family to a holiday craft fair in the gymnasium of my elementary school in New Hampshire. <laughs> um, and at that time, I was sort of really into making like jewelry with little tiny beads, you know, those little tiny glass mm-hmm. seed beads. I had just started learning how to do this, and at the fair, was a woman selling jewelry that she was making out of little tiny glass seed beads. And so I naturally, I went over to her booth. I was really interested in what she was doing. She was really nice. And I bought a pair of earrings from her that were um, little snowflakes made out of white beads. Beautiful. And they were beautiful. I liked them a lot. I, you know, bought them and I took them home. And um, at some time later, I decided I was going to wear them to school. When, yeah, and when I wore them to school, I was very surprised and frankly distressed to realize that a lot of the other kids at school were pointing and whispering about my earrings. And I couldn't always hear what they were whispering, but they looked sort of alarmed. And I definitely heard one girl go, Look at the sign. And I was like, What sign? (laughs) Yeah, you can see where the story is going. Um, And so, you know, I just like. I was so upset, and, and for context also, I was a really nerdy kid. I was very shy, I was very awkward, and I got teased a lot. So I, you know, I felt like I, I felt like I was perpetually putting a foot wrong as a kid. You know, I wore the wrong thing. I wore something really stupid that I didn't realize was stupid, and like, um, you know, from from the perspective of the other kids at my school. And so I went home, and I think I was crying, and um, could not figure out why these girls were freaking out about my earrings and I told my mom what happened and my mom went well you know sweetie I wasn't sure and so I didn't you know want to say anything but I think that I think that your snowflakes might actually be something called a pentacle (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and that is a sign that's associated with witchcraft and I was distraught Mm -hmm. I did not have positive connotations with the word witch Mm mm-hmm all of my associations with the word witch were negative. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting to me to reflect back on like how much of that sort of cultural, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, how much of that cultural context seeped into me because it certainly um, wasn't something I'd been taught by my family. Mm-hmm. We weren't really particularly religious. I hadn't had any sort of religious teachings about witchcraft being evil or anything like that. Um, I was, I remember really feeling a strong sense of taboo, Mm. like that I hadn't just worn something embarrassing, but I'd worn something wrong. Mm -hmm. I remember that feeling and, and really kind of feeling like maybe I had inadvertently like said something about myself to these other kids that like I hadn't meant to say and that they really seemed to have a strong negative reaction to mm-hmm. what was kind of going on here also is that at that age I'm, I'm a big wimp at 12 <laughs> I don't watch scary movies mm-hmm. I don't watch any upsetting content 
Um, and I was not a particularly like witchy child. Like I've, you know, I know witches who have always sort of said, oh, I always gravitated toward the witch in Snow White or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I did not. I was like, yes, princesses. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have this sort of, you know, sense mm-hmm. of identification with that side of the story. Um, and, and so, you know, part of what was going on here is that, you know, at 12, it, this was like 1998 or nine, mm-hmm. all the girls in my year had seen the craft except me. Uh, I'm like, like the only, the only teenager in my school who has not in fact seen the craft, which is why <laughs> I didn't recognize the pentacles, but they all did. Mm. So to them, I was wearing this witch symbol on purpose. Uh. Um, and I was really upset. And I remember this like, um, this sort of extremely awkward interaction where my, my bewildered, I, w- I was, I think I was crying in homeroom over this and my oh. bewildered homeroom teacher had clearly just been to like a seminar on peer mediation or something like that. And she mm-hmm. was like, well, why don't you step out in the hall and share what's bothering you with Melissa? Well, I like Melissa's not my friend. I don't really know Melissa and Melissa <laughs> was not equipped to handle <laughs> 12 year old me crying because the other girls thought I was a witch. She was bewildered. I didn't want to talk to her about it to her credit. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember if her name was Melissa or not. She didn't, you know, (laughs) she didn't make fun of me for it or anything. Um, but I just remember this sort of very upsetting kind of week where I just Mm -hmm. felt like I, um, you know, (laughs) been, I had inadvertently exposed myself to be something that the other kids found very weird and upsetting. Um, And, and at a certain point, my mom, who was wonderful, finally pulled me aside and said, you know, I can see how upset you are about this. Mm-hmm. Here is a book that talks a little bit more about what that symbol means. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to read it, it might help you feel a little bit better. And she handed me a book, and it was mm-hmm. Scott Cunningham's Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Oh, go Rebecca's mom. My mom, yeah, my mom is awesome. Um, and... Probably, you know, if people are listening and they are, you know, interested in witchcraft, this is maybe a book you have already read. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, I think, uh, one of those books that if you were reading about witchcraft in the 90s, you probably read this book. Um, and it is, you know, it's what it says on the box. It's Wicca for solitary practitioners who are not in covens. Gotcha. And you know, he spoke about the meaning of the four elements and the fifth element being, being spirit, which is the symbolism of the pentacle that we so often see connected with witches. You know, he's writing about this, this religion that honors nature and that honors a goddess and a female deity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think this is my jam. (laughs) My feelings about the word witch did a complete 180. And I went Mm -hmm. from feeling um, ashamed mm-hmm. to have connected myself with that word to suddenly thinking, am I a witch? I might be a witch. I hope I'm a witch. I want <laughs> to be a witch. They, it really, it really resonated and mm-hmm. connected with me. Um, and that was the start of learning about sort of the whole broad umbrella of, mm-hmm witchcraft and pagan spiritualities and earth-based spiritualities. Um, and I, you know, I should, I think I should clarify that I don't describe myself as Wiccan now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I was going to say there is a difference between there people is. who practice Wicca or who are Wiccan and someone who might not 
do that, but also identifies as a witch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of worth unpacking a little bit here just because, um, you know, Wicca is a religion. Mm -hmm. It's a religion with many different branches and denominations, like many, Mm -hmm. um, you know, religious institutions. Um, And it's certainly, I would say, you know, less centralized maybe than some other religions, but it Mm -hmm. is a religion. Many of its denominations have um, initiatory traditions they have degrees of initiation they have clergy you know it is and so like I want to be careful to make sure that I am not you know claiming to be a part of a religious tradition that I'm not Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um I will say that a lot of the people who know I'm a witch um use the terms interchangeably and they assume that I'm Wiccan Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'm in a context where I can actually say hey I'm actually not Wiccan here's what that's about and sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's just not quite the context to do that. Um, but I, you know, for the purposes of contextualizing where I'm coming from on this podcast, um, I practice witchcraft Mm -hmm. and thus I'm a witch, but I'm not Wiccan. Um, I think my own, you know, my own beliefs are quite agnostic in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. And as I have grown further into my practice, I've come to the conclusion that it doesn't feel right for me to identify myself with that religion. Mm -hmm. I will say that I am really grateful to Scott Cunningham for writing that book (laughs) and to, to like just the Wiccan religion generally for, for, um, opening this doorway into this realm of spiritual practice. Mm Mm-hmm. I do suspect that were it not for, um, were it not for Wicca kind of, you know, arising in the middle of the 20th century, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that it would have occurred to me to think of or call myself a witch. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that kind of brings us around to this being in some ways a very contemporary thing to do. Incredibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is something that I think, you know, would be worth, would be worth talking about, um, more in depth, maybe at some point, or maybe we'll even get to it on this, on this episode. But for me to choose to call myself a witch is very contemporary. Yes. And it means that I have a lot of, of privilege and that it's safe for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We live in a place where we can openly identify spiritually in any way we choose mm-hmm. and we are protected um and and it is safe for us to do that yes yeah there are still parts of the world now and in times past many more parts of the world where uh, which was not something you chose to call yourself it was something other people attached to you and if they attached it to you you were in danger you were in danger <laughs> yeah you were in very bad trouble. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to kind of acknowledge that that's not a word that I'm kind of using lightly or in a, do you need, does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And it was something I kind of wanted to talk about today yeah. too. Um, this very, it is a political choice, I think, yeah. to call yourself a witch. And I think, as you said I mean, I like that it seems that things are more and more open and that people feel like they can use that word and it doesn't have 
quite as much huge baggage behind it um, with more and more people choosing to identify this way openly. Um, but I do think it is a word, and I think for both of us, um, I for one, it took me probably a good, I haven't been doing this for all that long, but I think it probably took me about a good two years from saying I was practicing witchcraft to actually saying I'm a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me, maybe the, and maybe that's not even that much time, but it definitely didn't feel like something that I could claim ownership of right away. Um, and I did have this feeling that there was a lot of context to that word, if that makes any sense. Yes. That um, it took me some time to really get comfortable with. Yeah. I am... Um... I, I would say the same is true for me, um, and you know, from the I from the from the time that I read Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner at twelve mm-hmm. to when I sincerely began to make an earnest effort mm-hmm. to grow a witch practice mm-hmm. um, was on the order of about two decades. <laughs> like it took me a long time, and I would go through these cycles of. Mm-hmm. Um, really feeling called in that direction and doing Mm -hmm. a lot of thinking and a lot of reading and a lot of hoping and a (laughs) lot of, um, a lot of asking my tarot deck if I was a witch. And Mm. I think we might come back around to that process a little bit later in this, uh, in this (laughs) podcast when we talk about the high priestess card, because Mm -hmm. you know, I, um, that was the card I wanted my deck to answer with because to me that seemed like the the witch card and we'll maybe talk about her <laughs> later on. But um, That is so funny because um, I will just interject really yes. quickly. Um, right when I started reading, that was the first card I ever pulled mm-hmm. and I had just listened to a podcast episode about the High Priestess uh, and one of the things that they were saying was, if you pull this card in a reading, maybe you're a witch. <laughs> <laughs> And it just felt like such a confirmation for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that's true. And mm-hmm. I will follow that up by saying that during the years when I was reading and mm-hmm. thinking, but not practicing, I never drew her. Ah. I I I longed for the affirmation of that card, and mm-hmm. I never drew that card. Okay. Until I began to do witchcraft. And I think oh. that is kind of coming around to I'm, I'm really slowly trying to sneak up on a definition of the word witch <laughs> <laughs> because it's very slippery. I was going to say if you've got a good one, oh, please I let... don't. I don't have a good definition, mm-hmm. and I've been thinking about it for a long time, and and even in a more concentrated way, kind of over the last month because I knew we were going to record this. Um. So I will try to say something about what I think it is for me to be a witch. Mm-hmm. There is a, an enormous practical element to this. Um, it's for me because I think I'm pretty agnostic about what I think is. Um, I, I haven't come to this spiritual alignment because I feel like it is a, something that fits in with my beliefs. Okay. My beliefs are growing out of this practice ah. that I feel connects me with the sacred and with mm-hmm. spiritual reality. Okay. 
if that makes sense. So for me, I had to start doing the practices before I felt that I kind of just, I sort of came to a point where I knew that this kind of half-hearted agnosticism was not going to work for me for the rest <laughs> of my life. And I knew that I was drawn to what I had seen of practices that we can call witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And, and at a certain point, I kind of just had to like set up an altar mm-hmm. and get some materials together and try and do some spells and some rituals Mm -hmm. and I felt so silly (laughs) I felt absurd um but I also felt that there was something in this really tactile way of doing that connected me in a communicative way Mm -hmm. to what we might broadly call spirit in a way that all of my kind of thinking and reading had not done. I yeah. couldn't think myself into being a witch. I kind of had to practice my way into it. Gotcha. If that makes sense. It does. And so I think for me, my definition of witch has a lot to do with practice. It encompasses a lot of things. There is practice. There is a sort of spiritual orientation toward being connected with the earth, Mm -hmm. which again, I think I want to note is a more contemporary addition to what it means to be a witch. Yes. Um, I find myself really interested in wanting to include in my broad definition of what a witch is something of some older meanings as well which I Mm -hmm. think for me kind of points toward someone who uh someone who can get things done (laughs) (laughs) um and it encompasses uh, maybe um an image of of a witch as someone who is able to exert agency Mm mm-hmm yeah, that, no, that feels, resonates a lot. Yeah, that yeah. feels important to me. Mm-hmm. So when I'm when I'm talking about like my witchcraft and what the craft of it is, a lot of it is um, a question of relationship building, mm-hmm. where I am trying to build relationship with the ecosystem that I am in, mm-hmm. the land where I live, mm-hmm. um, and with. Um, with other beings. So we might say, you know, with ancestors, with um, guiding spirits of various kinds, with deities. Um, But I would say that I, in terms of sort of a daily practice, I'm doing more relationship building and connecting than I am doing um, spells. That is actually really interesting because that's always been a bigger part of my practice than spell work and ritual has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel very silly when I do spells. Maybe I always will. Um, and I do them fairly infrequently, mm-hmm. usually when it feels like there's something I really, uh, really desire. Um, and when I say desire, I mean there's like a want and a need for it. Yes. Um, 
which I think I didn't come up with myself. I think someone else said that first and I cannot remember who. Um, but, uh, but for me, um, and maybe this is a good segue into my witch yes. origin story. Um, so I got into witchcraft through the tarot. Uh, and I had something hilariously similar to your story happen to me, although at the age of maybe 10 or 12, definitely like preteen, I think, um, I came across a book that I cannot remember the name of, and it was not a good book. It was <laughs> 800 pages long, and it was boring. <laughs> But uh, it was about, it incorporated, it was a fantasy novel that incorporated tarot into the structure. Mm -hmm. um, and I was fascinated by this book. I read all 800 pages. And even though at the time I knew that the writing was not <laughs> all that great. Um, but anyway, I had the weirdest experience where, um, segueing again, Hopefully everyone knows what ASMR is, um, but very, very briefly, it is uh, a sensation you get. Um, it's a weird head tingling sensation that some people get right. from certain stimulus. And I had that the entire time I was reading this book. Huh, interesting. Um, <laughs> and many, many, many years later, so that was that. Was that. Uh, I read the book. I was like, ooh, that felt really good. Also, I'm very fascinated by this. And then I just went on with my life. Mm -hmm. um, snap to me discovering ASMR videos <laughs> Yep. Uh, not too long ago. Um, and I remembered this book and that experience. And I just was like on YouTube just typing in like occult ASMR <laughs> Maybe? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and I found someone who was doing ASMR tarot readings. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the internet was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course this exists. <laughs> um, anyway, I was fascinated and almost immediately it felt like a calling. Mm, um, mm -hmm. I just had this moment, I was watching it and I was like, watching her do all these amazing things with the tarot. And I was just like, I think I can do this. I think I really want to do this. Uh, and I just, I bought myself a deck um, and started kind of reading for myself. And then at the same time, I was feeling a bit of a spiritual awakening kind of mm -hmm. happening. And tarot just kind of, just Googling led me to witchcraft. And it just felt like the right fit. Mm-hmm. It felt like I'd been questioning. I I have also gone through, I'd say, periods of agnosticism, periods of straight-up atheism, mm -hmm. um, but I always knew that there was a sense of spirituality within me that wanted expression, and witchcraft, when I was learning about it, um, it just felt like I was like, oh, I think you said something last episode about it, feeling like the language that yeah. you knew um, or the language that kind of made the most sense to you. Yes. And I thought that was such a beautiful way of describing it. And I think that's exactly what it was for me. It was um, just kind of like, it felt like home. Mm -hmm. It felt like a spiritual home for me. So that's amazing. What was that first deck? 
Uh, the first deck was the Numinous Tarot. Oh, yep. great choice. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful deck to start with. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting, you know, having this conversation, even with you, where I feel like um, there's no there's no clear way to define what this word witch means, is there? No, I don't think so. And this is part of why I liked calling it, before I started really calling myself a witch, I liked being able to say, I practice witchcraft. Yeah. Because... I don't know how to describe it, but that that still feels almost to me maybe a little more right than saying I am a witch, mm-hmm. although I am, and I do identify that way now, but um, it is an action, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That That's really interesting to me, too, because um, my, here's what my logical brain does with that. Uh-huh. Um, here comes a visit from, you know, skeptic Rebecca, <laughs> who is like... Yes, I practice witchcraft as a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. You can't like you can't sort of argue that with someone. No. You know? Like mm-hmm. there are there are various kinds of ritual actions that humans do and we've kind of put them into this category and we call them witchcraft and if you see someone doing them they are practicing witchcraft. Mm-hmm. It doesn't kind of exert a value judgment on whether or not the witchcraft does what the person wants it to do or not. It's yes. just sort of like, yeah, objectively they are doing this. <laughs> but if I say I am a witch, mm-hmm. There's a part of me that then feels like I'm kind of saying something to you about what I can do and Uh, what I am. Does that make sense? That makes sense, yeah. Or about capacities that I have. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I, for a very long time, really did not feel at all comfortable making any kind of statement about. And in Mm -hmm. fact, it still makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when I as I've gradually kind of started to be a little bit more open about this, one of my trepidations has been, what is it that people think I am claiming when I, when I say I'm a witch? Mm-hmm. What do they think I, what do they think I mean? Yes. <laughs> and what do I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think what I mean is that I am someone whose spiritual work is oriented in this direction. Like mm-hmm. I am someone who does her spiritual work through these witchcraft practices mm-hmm. and through this um through these attempts to build relationship with my ecosystem and i'm including in the ecosystem like the urban place where we live and yeah. my relationships with other humans and my relationships with mm-hmm. the places i visit and with the animals around me and you know and and i and i also include a spirit ecosystem as well mm-hmm. um because I have found it meaningful. I, my experience has been that when I cultivate spirit relationships, so mm-hmm. relationships with ancestors or yeah. land spirits or other, maybe we could sort of say broadly non-corporeal entities, <laughs> my experience has been that a sense of meaningful relationship and communication ensues. Mm-hmm. Um that is where I am at in terms of my sense of like, what is, <laughs> does, that, you know, so like I can say that my experience has been that as I lean into that aspect of, of witchery, my sense of connection with something kind of beyond mm-hmm. the material world has deepened. Yes. 
And I think that is why I wanted to be a witch. I think I wanted to enter into this practice to have those experiences and try to form those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of speaking in this way because I'm, I'm trying to like also offer that there's a lot of room for doubt <laughs> in the practice. Oh my gosh. I frequently doubt absolutely everything about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, catch me on a different day and you might, you might meet atheist Rebecca, who's like, this is some serious nonsense. Why are we doing this? This is so silly. Why do you have this bowl of water on a table? Why are you putting rocks in it? Like, you know, like, um, I do have that. I will say that, um, as, as it's developed, you know, when I am actually in the process of enacting a spell or a working, mm-hmm. that is very embodied Okay. And I find that there is a kind of uh, brain state or focus or concentration that comes in then where that that little part goes quiet just for the duration of the working. And then on <laughs> either side, um, it kind of comes back to, to critique what we're about to do or what we just did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a not insignificant leap from I practice witchcraft to I am a witch mm-hmm. and I've tried to sometimes define it as like I am a I practice witchcraft therefore I am a witch but I'm just not sure that that tracks mm-hmm. I mean for starters there are I think I think there are people kind of coming from all sorts of different traditions who do things that 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 you and I would look at and say oh that's magic yeah are they witches no because they didn't Define themselves that that. way, yes. And we've already talked about, like, what it means to label someone else a witch. Mm -hmm. I think we're both in favor of people self-identifying as as witches. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That is something that you claim for yourself. I don't think that that is something that should be put on anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And so speaking of of claiming for yourself, (laughs) um, it sounds like we both have some kind of early... Early experiences with the priestess tarot card and how that card relates to witch practice. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it's worth mentioning here that like um, when we decided on this topic, we the, the challenge we set to each other was pick the card that you think is the witchiest card in the deck or that mm-hmm. most represents what it is to be a witch for you right now. And then, and then we said, and, and no, neither of us can pick the priestess. <laughs> and because both of us, because would have both of her. us would have. So we are going to talk about this card because mm-hmm. it's really seems, I think for not just for us, but for a lot of people who are witches, this is sort of the archetypal witch card in the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you like to talk since this was a card that showed up for you really early in your witch journey. Would you like to talk a little bit about what that card means to you to start? Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, it is such a rich card. Um, and I think I won't get into too much about describing what it looks like. Yeah. Um, you can always uh, look that up. There are about a million different interpretations mm-hmm. of the High Priestess. Um, but to me... I think the first thing that comes to mind for most people is intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, The priestess is very much a explorer of the unseen places. Um, Someone who is able to kind of walk between worlds. Yes. 
is I think the way that I like to think and I, I, I don't think I'm the first person to say that either <laughs> um, but I think yeah there is something within us that is unknowable and unnameable uh, and that is beyond spoken language and the priestess is able to go into those places and I sort of see I said her before um I should say them because I don't think they are gendered um but I sort of see them as someone who can almost translate Mm. um that information that knowing that wisdom that lives within each and every one of us and I think yeah I think they are someone who can convey that information in back in the waking world in the conscious Mm -hmm. world so and I think that's a lot of what a witch does yes um even when like I said before I'm not huge into spell work and ritual but that is a language too that Mm -hmm. is us translating energy into something more tangible Yes. Um, we hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I think those are the first things that come to mind with this card for me. How about you? Well, um, you know, it's an immensely powerful card. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that we're talking about this card because I, you know, I do think that it was probably the first one we both thought of when, when posing this question. <laughs> um, I think that the, the Part of the traditional iconography of that card is that the priestess figure is wearing robes that are black on one side and white on the other side, or dark mm-hmm. and light, depending on how the artist has chosen to interpret yes, that and imagery. They are, and they're standing between two pillars as well, one that is dark and yes. one that is light. And so that in-betweenness mm-hmm. is so much a part of, I think, maybe what draws us both to this practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it also... To touch on some of what we discussed last episode, it does strike me that it's a very apt card for someone who is working in the territory of death and dying as well. Yes. Because the priestess is a figure who can stand right at the threshold mm-hmm. and have a foot in both worlds. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not as hospice workers, um, we often kind of meet our clients when they're in that sort of a space. Very much, yeah. And that means that we, although we're not taking that journey with them, need to kind of be a little bit more comfortable to approach that kind of space. And I do find this card really supportive in that Mm -hmm. aspect. I find that the energy of the priestess card is one that I sometimes try to lean on or draw on when I am going into a situation like that. Yeah. Particularly if it's a situation where I'm just not quite sure what to expect. Yes. Um, And I think there's something there too about... So the priestess in most cards will at least hint at this, but she is very much connected to, um, in the imagery of the card, especially in the RWS, She's very much connected to Persephone, the figure of Persephone. Mm. Um, And you can't talk about Persephone without talking about underworld journeys. And I think that 
It's interesting because, as I was saying, this was the first card that I ever pulled yeah. for myself. Well, <laughs> there were small. a couple <laughs> other ones. I think it was a three-card reading, but the priestess was like right in the center. And also, when I was trying to kind of put my thoughts together for this episode, I did another reading for myself, and I pulled the priestess in the past position. Mm. Um, this kind of like, how did I get here? Yeah. And that was so beautiful to me. And it reminded me that I think... The reason I got into witchcraft was to do some healing, to Mm -hmm. do some trauma healing. Um, I don't think that our spirituality can necessarily be the only thing that we turn to for that sort of thing. I think a whole group of holistic supports, if if you're lucky enough to, Mm -hmm. privileged enough to have access to them, is very important. But for me, and I think for a lot of people, the spiritual aspect was a piece of it. And the priestess was really a guide in terms of that for me. Um, I really, like, one of my healing tools that I used for myself and the reason that I like to hopefully show up to others with it as well is the tarot. Mm -hmm. Because the tarot for me really connects me with to that archetypal energy, to that particular mode of thinking about Mm -hmm. my past my trauma, my healing, all of those things. I think there is such wisdom in a card that says that your wisdom is important. Mm -hmm. A card that says that your intuition about things is powerful and valid. Um, And I think a lot of us, I think as a society, we tend to really downplay intuition. Um, And it's complicated because... What is intuition even? (laughs) It's very nebulous. And I unfortunately do think that you see some people saying like, oh, I'm saying this because I I felt called to say it. And my my intuition told me. And sometimes it's very true. And sometimes it's maybe like, are you really checking in on that? Mm -hmm. Um, But but I do think that when we're really connected to our intuitive center, there is wisdom available to us that we just can't get anywhere else um and yeah that card just really really pulled me into a whole healing journey um that has brought me to so many places that I never would have imagined that I would come to again as part of a holistic Mm -hmm. um uh practice of self-care I guess but um yeah. Uh, oh gosh, I don't know where I'm going with this anymore. I can never finish my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, right. Getting for me like the dismount from the thought is, is always the hardest part. It's the hurdle. <laughs> it's the hurdle. I know. I know that feeling. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I love what you're saying about the power of this card to heal. And I was, as you were speaking, one of the things that's kind of popping out to me and and you know I'm we may have already said this in other ways and I'm sure you know other people have expressed this as well but like the tarot deck is sort of like it's it's a series of cards that can show you the various aspects of you that are within yourself yes and one of them is the priestess Mm -hmm. um I love the whole deck as a balanced whole because all of these parts are within you in conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, what you were just saying about making sure that we're balancing intuition with maybe we could say discernment. I think that's the perfect word for it. Um, well, discernment is, you know, represented by other cards in the deck. Yes. And so when we're getting, you know, when we're doing a reading and we're bringing these, these sort of archetypal, um, forces within ourselves, you know, forward mm -hmm. in the reading, um, you know, the, the whole system of the deck can kind of help us offer us that balance as well. Yes. Um, so, you know, the, the intuitive nature of the priestess maybe is, you know, is very present and is perhaps balanced by something like the king of swords or, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or, or, mm -hmm. or, or a card that sort of can, you know, sort of clearly assess what information is there and communicate it directly or yes. It, it's a it's a sort of self-regulating system in a way. <laughs> it very much is. Also, let's just uh, quickly acknowledge um, that there is a siren outside. Yes. Uh, hopefully it won't get picked up too loudly. We'll see. But, but yes, if you do hear that siren, I mean, we're city witches. Mm -hmm. you we know? are. We're in an urban ecosystem. And um, as lovely as it might be to only have sort of forest sounds and the little tripping of birds and stuff <laughs> in the background of our podcast, you know, we are, we're in a, we're in a big like city organism, you know, we that are. is like, has all of these pieces in it. And, mm -hmm. and one of them is, um, you know, the, the dulcet tones of the emergency vehicles going <laughs> by and, and that's sort of just part of, of the, of the life here. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A, a reminder that, you know, someone out there hopefully isn't doing too badly, yeah. but, um, yeah, someone needed something and that something is on its way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm sort of, maybe you'll, maybe you'll agree with this. Um, I do think sometimes, you know, for, for us witchy folks, we can, we can sort of get into a headspace where it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in a city, but when I'm in the forest is when I'm really a witch or when I'm, when I'm out in the, out in the woods or out by the, mm. you know, somewhere where there's no sirens and buildings and trees. And that's when I really am a witch. And, um, you know, I think I'm actively trying to like, make sure that I'm really a witch, even when I'm like downtown, you know, mm -hmm. just being aware, like this is the, this is the biosphere in which I live. It's a city. Yes. Um, and um, that's been an interesting project because mm. there is there is something about just being out in the woods that feels really it really, does really feel witchy and it's cool. <laughs> um, but when I can feel like a witch, kind of walking through, um, you know, an urban environment mm -hmm. and just keeping my senses open mm -hmm. to who else is here with me and what they might be communicating and mm -hmm. what I can notice, what I can hear. Um, you can really kind of find, you can find wonder sort of anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the practice too. It's kind of getting like one thing that I, that I find about my own practice is that it's often a question of me trying to deliberately choose and cultivate a mindset Yes. Uh, yeah, no, that is maybe the entire practice. Yeah, that's kind of getting close to a bedrock of, of mm -hmm. what, what it is actually about. So like, for instance, I mean, we've both, you know, we've both grown up in 
what we now call North America, mm -hmm. um, in an industrialized country, mm -hmm. where, as you said earlier, intuitive knowledge is not always respected or recognized. Um, and, you know, we're certainly, I think, out of balance where we've prioritized other kinds of knowledges. Yes. Um, many of which have given us many wonderful and important things. We like we, science We here. like science. Yes, we are <laughs> for it. Um, but I, I do think it's true that, that there, are, there are ways of knowing that um, also contribute to like human wholeness mm -hmm. that we've lost. And we can see the consequences of that in, um, you know, the way we've treated the planet and climate change and environmental degradation and mm -hmm. all, all of the various kinds of sufferings that we're inflicting um, on the planet, on each other, on our fellow humans, on our fellow animals. Like, um, and, and I think in part that's because I was, I grew up in a culture that had a mindset of, you know, we're conscious and everything else is kind of stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. And even, even then, like we're conscious, which we are we talking about? Yeah. Um, because we are very happy to other and demonize and denigrate even other people. Yes. Depending on their race, their class, their sexuality, their, all of the things. Yes. Um, to see even other conscious beings as less than. Yeah, absolutely. And exploitable. Absolutely. And just like I felt that really strong taboo around the, wor the word witch, even though I hadn't been explicitly raised that way, mm -hmm. I know I have internalized those aspects of growing mm -hmm. up in like an industrialized, colonialist, mm -hmm. um, you know, society that did not encourage me to see myself as really in relationship with Mm -hmm. with other beings and mm -hmm. so like I have found myself really at some point choosing to consciously cultivate a more animist worldview even though it didn't necessarily feel instinctive to me at first mm -hmm. I have had to practice relating like to trees as conscious beings for instance mm -hmm. I've had to choose to sit with them and say, I have lost, maybe this is part of it, I have lost the way of, of communicating that maybe my ancestors had. Mm -hmm. I think some of my ancestors probably understood how to communicate with the beingness of trees. Mm -hmm. I've lost it. Yep. I am now trying to choose to recover it to the extent that I can, mm -hmm. but I, it is not the same for me as it was for them. You know, that's not how I grew up mm -hmm. and that's not how many generations before me grew up. Mm -hmm. So of course there is a part of my brain that says, um, that's an old sort of superstition and humans have grown out of that. Yes. We now know better. What are you doing talking to trees? What are you doing trees? talking to trees? Well, um, <laughs> it turns out that science is now kind of coming back around to an idea that trees are sentient and communicate. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a bunch of like really interesting books on this subject. Like, mm -hmm. um, oh, there's a book, I think it's called Finding the Mother Tree, which is... Yes. Yes. I okay. have not read it yet. I haven't read it yet. But it is yet. on my list. Um, 
I wanted to say that first because I think I think the author of that is a scientist who has done a lot of research in this area about how trees communicate, trees with, communicate each other. with each other through mm-hmm. fungal networks and mm-hmm. can share resources and tell each other when danger is coming and all kinds of really interesting things. But mm-hmm. um, like to come back to like being a witch, um, sometimes I have felt like I'm probably not a witch because I have had to so be so deliberate about trying to choose this mindset. And I've sometimes thought to myself, oh, if you were really a witch, it would just be instinctive. No one would be able to stop you from talking to trees. You would have grown up talking to trees. You would have always known. Here's the thing, though. I I think we hear a lot within the witchy community anyway. I think it was one of the first things that the concept that I came across was the witch wound. Mm. Um, and I think probably, and I feel the same way as you, that I think somewhere down the line, my ancestors understood how to be in communication with the land, with mm-hmm. um, their, uh, I'm half Japanese and um, uh, in the, oh my God, what's it called? In Shinto religion. <laughs> I mean, everything has a spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is um, respecting land spirits. And um, uh, anyway, my point being, <laughs> I think we do know this and I think it is instinctive But as you said, it's been lost and we have to relearn it. And I think you always hear about those, those ones who, yeah, they were witchy from the start. They were always talking to trees or doing whatever it might be. But I don't think that's a lot of us. And I think that's okay. And I don't think that makes us any less, less witchy. I think seeing something in one way and saying, I don't like the way that this is. And deciding to change it into something, a mindset, for instance, mm-hmm. a mindset of completely logical, completely scientific, like there is no spirit in, uh, there's no place for spirit in this. Um, and then saying, actually, that doesn't work for me. I would like to find a different way to mm-hmm. think about these sort of things. I mean, that's about as witchy as it gets. Yeah. Um... I think changing one's interiority is a huge part of mm-hmm. contemporary witch practice and maybe, maybe you know, or less contemporary witch practice <laughs> as well. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when, when the skeptical voice kind of gets away from me and goes, this is all very silly, one of the things that, that brings me back is I actually do think that we humans are required to transform how we think about the world, mm-hmm. um, how we think about the other life that is here, and um, and and then from that perspective, choosing to cultivate this much more inclusive vision of what what it is to be a being, what it is to be a person, what is consciousness, what is sentience. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a, um, I think what I've seen described as an I-thou relationship. I don't know if you've come across that, but there was a mm-hmm. there was a, a German philosopher called I think his name is Martin Buber. Okay. And um, he wrote a he wrote a book called Ich und Du, which means <laughs> I and you, like me and you, and it's uh, about that relation mm-hmm. of being a being relating to a being, a person relating to a person, mm-hmm. rather than a human. Like I, I'm trying to sort of shift from being like a human looking at a tree mm-hmm. to a human 
communicating with the tree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and le- trying to be open to what that kind of communication feels like when it's so subtle and quiet and you can feel like you're imagining it or you can talk yourself out of it mm-hmm. or you think why am I even doing this I, I think trying to open one's senses up mm-hmm. including one's intuition to the extent that you can begin to have a sense of the being that is there with you the tree being that is there with you yeah is a big part of what my craft is mm-hmm. and then when that happens that's sort of the found that's the foundation and then like up up several levels from that is something like a spell where I might where I might um, work with some of the berries of that tree in the spell for instance mm-hmm. but but if I'm doing that then they are berries that were given to me by that tree mm-hmm. out of the relationship that we've built and I have hopefully given something back to the tree in return yes yeah I think that's why I tend not to do as much spell work um, because I haven't felt that I've really gotten myself to that place yet where um, I'm trying and uh, it's a learning experience, of course, and a journey, of course, but um, I also need to feel that connection to whatever ingredients I'm using. And if I don't already have that relationship established, then it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. to... um, be using them in that way so it's kind of I will admit it's become a bit of a barrier for me where I'm like oh well I don't have that relationship so I can't do this and then I don't always try and cultivate that really it's just like there it's a lot of steps and I am lazy sometimes but um yeah I'm, I'm really hearing what you're saying yeah there. and and just to kind of you know respond to that I I also think that um I don't, I don't always, I, I'm not always as rigorous about that. Like with mm-hmm. every single thing, um, <laughs> sometimes, you know, I need to get something done and I do it with a pinch of like cloves from my spice cabinet. Right. Yes. And that also connect, you know, but even that feels connective to me because mm-hmm. when I think about what kinds of like folk magic mm-hmm. might've been done in my family, you know, way back or not that way back. You used what you had. You used what you have. And mm-hmm. so there is, I, I, I really fully hear what you're saying about like the, the barrier of, um, kind of like, am I a witch enough to do this right now? Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that is one thing that we did want to talk yeah. about a little bit today, which is that, um, that witch imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I feel it. And, and so sometimes, um, Sometimes, you know, what I can sort of feel happening is like, okay, um, I need to stop overthinking this and just do a thing. Yes. Yes. I, and I am well aware that sometimes, yes, sometimes there is, um, an actual, there is something to making that connection. There is something to forging that relationship and not overlooking that aspect of it. But it does again have to be balanced with practicality. Yeah. Um, which is that sometimes we're just don't have time for it, don't have the energy for it. There's a bunch of different reasons why it might not happen. And um, it's 
very okay in those kinds of situations to say, yes, this is in my spice cabinet. I bought it from the store and I'm going to use it in this spell. (laughs) Yes. I, you know, sometimes the relationship is, hello, cloves. I need money. Mm -hmm. Can you help? Thank you. (laughs) You're going in the incense. Like that is sometimes that's the extent of it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I I haven't like raised a clove plant from seed. (laughs) I don't think they would like to grow here anyway. Um, So yeah, it's totally that mix of like relationship building, but then also practicality. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would also like say that, you know, I think magic expresses itself in different ways. Yes. Tarot is a magical practice. And I yes. would guess, you could tell me if you think this is right, you have probably brought things into your life, events, things that you needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you have probably worked magic through the medium of tarot, I would guess. I 100% have. And this is something that I was... I try to remind myself of because I have this thing in my head where I say, you don't do spells very often. You're not a witch. But you're 100% right. The tarot is very much a magical practice. And the way that I use it to kind of bring about what I'm sort of hoping to bring about. um, And also, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that witchcraft is more than just about manifestation. Yes. Um, Not that I think that either of us have said that it is. But... um, there is guidance that I have received that has put me in certain places to receive certain things, mm-hmm. or at least that's the way that I see it as having happened, um, especially around, especially around um, my healing path and um, just no tarot is magic, um, and I forget sometimes it feels like it's a very passive way of doing magic but I don't think it is no I don't think it is at all um I think that tarot for me has been the avenue to form the kind of connection that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. which I think it sounds like to both of us really is the very core of this whatever it is we're doing um And I use tarot to connect with my ancestors. Mm -hmm. I use tarot to connect with different deities. I use tarot to connect with myself. And forming that relationship has been incredibly important for me as well. Um, And it, it, for me, it just, it is the magical practice that feels the most natural to me. Um, And I love the spell work and I love the ritual stuff. And Mm -hmm. I do want to do more of that. But um, there are so many different ways of being a witch. Yes. There are so many different ways of doing it. And I think for some people, listening and following guidance is kind of their, maybe their most natural way of doing that. Yeah. You're really, um, like you're really pointing to something that I was sort of thinking about this week when I was thinking about what makes a witch is... um, yeah, the ability to listen and discern what is being offered to you. Mm-hmm. And it's often very subtle. Mm-hmm. And through your, your tarot practice, you have, you, know, you have found a means of discernment that is really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a huge area of like, you know, which growth for me as well is learning how to be open so that when that guidance comes you recognize it and Mm -hmm. then 
gradually honing the ability to to act on what's been offered to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's witchcraft, and that's not really about spell work. Mm-hmm. That's just about being in communication with all that is. If I could even, like, yeah, I, it feels hard to, but yeah, yeah, everything really, which yeah. is kind of what we're really hoping to do. We've both really come or kind of come down to like witchcraft is communication. Yes, I think we have. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's various ways of communicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Me too. Me too. So I think do we want to talk a little bit about our cards before we wrap up? But it yeah. feels like maybe we've been talking for. I, a while. I'm wondering how long we've been talking for. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, you know, we can, so, you know, because neither of us chose the priestess, we each did choose another card that we feel is mm-hmm. representative of, of some aspect of, of being a witch. And I think we've probably already touched on a bunch of those, but maybe we can share the individual cards that we each brought. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, so the card that I brought, I actually thought I would talk more about this during our discussion, and it definitely did come up, and actually a few things that you touched on actually really connected with what I wanted to say about this card. Um, I chose the world card from the Witch's Wisdom Tarot deck, which is um, the deck that I own that is probably the furthest from the uh, Smith Rider weight system. Mm. Uh, It's quite different. And it does have a world card in it, but that world card is actually number one in the Major Arcana versus um, the usually traditionally it's the last card in the Major Arcana. Um, and this card is usually the world card is a very like rejoicing. Everything's wonderful. Yeah, you did it. You did it. (laughs) Completion kind of card. And this one is not that at all. It depicts a city burning in the background and a figure who is walking away from that city, cresting a hill heading towards a forest with their pack full, um, wearing very practical clothes. And there was something about this particular card that made me think about how, when I first came to witchcraft, oh, so many years ago, (laughs) that's a joke, uh, as I said, (laughs) I'm still fairly new to this and I want that to be very clear, but, um, It was really important for me that any spiritual framework that I decided to take on for myself aligned with my political beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, And tarot definitely led me into the world of witchcraft, but it also brushed up against um, new agey stuff, wellness stuff. And I want to be clear that I think that those lines are unfortunately a little more blurred than we like to think they Mm -hmm. are sometimes. Um, but the one thing that I saw in witchcraft communities that I wasn't seeing as much of in other spaces that were fairly similar, um, was a general sense that, and I think we talked about this last episode before, and I think you said this before too, that witchcraft can't just be for our own personal gain. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe it can, you know what, if that works for you, uh, I, you know what, I won't cast aspersions there, but for me, um, it couldn't just be for that. 
And, and I do fall into, you know, thinking like, oh, I want this. Let me do whatever it is to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I mean, we all deserve abundance and to be thriving. That's not what I'm saying either. But this world is burning, mm-hmm. I think is what I'm trying to get at here. This world is burning and humans are, I mean, I don't think we can argue that we're not destroying this planet. No, we can't um, out of a whole bunch of different things that stem from huge systemic injustices, I think. I think the way that we've been exploiting the planet is a direct result of the ways that we have been thinking about this world, thinking about each other, and putting into place things like hierarchies, things like white supremacy, Mm -hmm. things like colonization, um, and seeing this card with this city burning and this person deciding they're not walking away to go live in the forest by themselves and not deal with what's happening. They are starting a pilgrimage Mm. to find a different way of doing things. And, oh my God, I'm getting emotional as I say this, but I think we have to, I think we are at the point now where we have to do that work. Mm-hmm. There is no other alternative. You're right. And I think for me, and we all find our own ways to do this, but for me, witchcraft, the kinds of connections that I'm forging that we've been talking about, that is the way to me that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am still very much like, I constantly think that like, what am I doing? I'm not doing enough, but, um, I think I'm getting myself to a place where I can start to do the kind of work that I want to do to see change happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So anyway, the world card, that was the The one that I chose. That's an amazing card. Um, you're really reminding me of, um, you said this is Phyllis Curat's deck. It is, right? Yes. And um, that sense of climate grief is really something I heard very strongly from her. In when I've heard her give mm-hmm. talks, um, the phrase that she used in, is that the world needs her witches. Yes. And I really think mm-hmm. she's really onto something. And the the climate grief that's being portrayed in that card is mm-hmm. really very um, sincere and. Yeah, kind of. It's heart wrenching, and I know that that's. Yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it's it's throughout this entire deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll say it again, and we will definitely link it. It is called the Witch's Wisdom Tarot deck, and I think if you are at all into tarot and at all concerned about climate change, climate disaster, um, this deck is. It's really opened me up to finally starting to deal with that grief. Um, and yeah, I think it's just one of the most beautiful decks that exists right now. That's really wonderful. And you've read for me with that deck mm-hmm. and you, you've, you can, you've given me beautiful readings with that deck. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you, you've mentioned that deck. I remember having the same feeling about hearing her speak where there was a sort of unflinching willingness to look at what was happening and mm-hmm. then also a great courageous hope Yes. About what mm-hmm. can be done and, and specifically like how p- 
people who are walking along this particular spiritual path might be able to contribute to that. And mm-hmm. um, it's really beautiful. So I'm, I'm happy that that card is on the table. <laughs> um, I have gone a slightly different route, um, and I don't have a particular deck that I'm that I'm drawing on here, although I have some several versions of this card out on the table in front of me, but um, I have brought the Magician. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, to have brought this card after we've spent so long sort of talking about how, like, working magic is not necessarily at the heart of this mm-hmm. spirituality for either of us. However, um, what I find really resonant about the magician is that the magician is someone who is equipped with all of the tools that they need. Yes. And that is something that I think is part of my practice is a sense of wanting to make sure that I have the tools that I need to encounter Mm -hmm. the situations that I'm going to encounter in my life. Mm -hmm. I think you were just maybe speaking to that a little bit in terms of how your practice has gotten you to a place where you're, where you're feeling like you're equipped to take action on this, Mm -hmm. on this big problem that we're all facing together. That is really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's something about that in this magician card. Um, And I also think that there's something very witchy in, let's say, the moral neutrality of the magician. Ooh, tell me more. So, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Part of what is compelling to me about the figure of the witch is that the witch has not always been a nature-loving, harm none. Mm -hmm. Um, Our contemporary image of the witch, a lot of people have been doing a lot of work to make the idea of being a witch much more acceptable publicly. Mm -hmm. I am grateful to those people because it means I can call myself a witch. Mm Part of that work has been a little bit of um, um, recasting the witch as perhaps a wise, I'm going to say a wise woman because I think that's where we started with that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who loves and reveres nature. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, you know, in Wicca, someone who includes uh, reverence for female divinity as well as male divinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally a real sort of framing of the witch as this very positive and beneficent figure. Yes. And I, again, um, all of what I just said are actually things that resonate with me. Mm -hmm. We've just Mm -hmm. spent more than an hour talking about how much we love (laughs) nature, um, et cetera. However, I think part of the reason that the witch is so compelling to me is that when we go back kind of before sort of the mid 20th century witchcraft revival that gave us Wicca and that particular kind of image of the witch, I think I said earlier in this podcast, like a witch is someone who can get something done. Mm -hmm. And historically the witch was not someone you wanted to cross 
Mm-hmm. The witch was someone who had capacities mm-hmm. to take care of themselves. Yep. To take care of other people, mm-hmm. if need be, and to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, when we come to the magician here, they have tools. And it is up to the ethics that the magician has cultivated to determine how they're going to use those tools. Um, now, I think like you and I are both like cultivating a pretty strong ethical framework is a big part of our practice. Mm-hmm. But I find myself not wanting to defang the witch entirely. It part of I think what appealed to me about the title witch was that it is a transgression to even call yourself one. Yes. It is an act of rebellion. And that felt really important. That felt just as important as everything else that we've been talking about here. Yeah. Um, And I think, um, sorry to bring it back to that card again, the world, but um, I talked about climate grief and about, uh, but the other thing is, There is something other about the witch. Mm-hmm. Um, there just has to be. I I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but that act of transgression, that act of rebellion, it feels incredibly necessary in these times. I think it always... It, um, speaking, speaking truth to power is always going to be something that uh, is necessary. Um... But you see it in groups of people who are uh, in witches, witches who are like hexing the patriarchy or mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be. Um, there is danger in playing with big, powerful energies that even those of us who are experienced and have an ethical code probably don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. I know I don't. Um, and I think that we have to acknowledge that part of it as well. Yeah. I'm really picking up what you're putting down there. Mm-hmm. Um, that is important to me because I have thought frequently about why have I chosen this word, which mm-hmm. it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably just be easier if I referred to myself as a pagan. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, for a while I was before really, making the decision to kind of commit to exploring witchcraft more fully. I was really interested in, um, kind of, you know, Western mindfulness practices and, um, that's totally acceptable now, boy, it would Mm -hmm. just be so easy if I was like, you know, someone who practiced mindfulness only and meditated and Mm -hmm. that's all about your mind. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't deal with, it doesn't dabble in gods and spirits (laughs) and talking to trees. It just leaves all of that aside. And, but the word that was inside me was witch, 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 witch. Mm -hmm. Why? I think it has a lot to do with, with the, the, um, with the capacity of the witch to be frightening. Yes. Um, which, um, you know, I will say like, so maybe at some point we'll, we'll like talk about kind of other ways that we identify just for contextualizing, but like I am, I am female. I'm a cisgendered woman. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of privilege in a variety of ways, but there mm-hmm. are times that because I am, uh, you know, a 
in a female body, I have been made to feel afraid. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm in situations where I feel afraid, I can feel that there is this witch inside me mm-hmm. who um, does not put up with that kind of shit. Yep. And I think in, there have been some instances where that has kind of come in to protect me in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel this tension frequently where, you know, when I express something about being a witch, what I really want is for people to kind of accept me. Mm-hmm. And yet, I have chosen to identify myself with this word that inherent within it is this sort of non-acceptance. Yes. And I think that... I think that the idea that for some people a witch is never going to be an acceptable thing to be is part of why I have chosen to align myself with that word. Yes. I think there is something powerful about using that particular word. And I think that in doing that, in reclaiming our otherness and finding power within it, um, we're doing some kind of magic that I don't know that we can find in any other word for what it is that we're doing. Yeah. This is the word that contains it the most. Even when I think back to the story I told at the beginning of this podcast about Mm -hmm. me wearing pentacle earrings to school and the other kids whispering about it, Mm -hmm. um, I was afraid of those kids. Yes. You know, they, um, you know, they bullied me. Mm Mm-hmm. The idea that I came into school wearing something that made them a little afraid of me, (laughs) um, I don't regret. I don't regret (laughs) making them afraid of me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of wish that I had had the capacity at that point to lean into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't at that time. Mm -hmm. But me now feels quite a bit of healing for that earlier me Mm -hmm. when I think about having embraced an identity that has the capacity to um, make people at the very least take you seriously. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I did. I don't want to say like I like scaring people. I don't like scaring people. <laughs> I'm also not very scary, just generally speaking. You really um, are. But, you know, there have been very few, but there have been a couple occasions where I could see that me stating that I was a witch made someone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um. And in those instances, I sort of just felt like it's good to have that ability. It's not something I want to set out to do. I mean, most of the time I'm in situations where I explicitly want to make other people comfortable around me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there is something about knowing that within yourself is um, someone who has tools to... Mm-hmm. heal yourself and others and defend yourself and others. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I like this, I like this magician as an, an aspect of the witch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, I think the individual witch is responsible through a process of discernment to choose how they are going to use their tools. Yes. Yeah, and I think, at least to me, and it sounds like to you as well, challenging the status quo is maybe one of the things that we want to be using those tools for. Yeah. 
Yeah. Including, you know, um, we've mostly talked about witchcraft this episode, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one of the things we want to use our tools for is to have conversations about topics that scare people. Scare people. Exactly. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think if you're, if you're going to be a witch talking about death, <laughs> you're going to touch fear in other people. Yes. And, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I don't think so either. I think one of, one of the, sorry, I'm now thinking of, we should probably wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, probably. Really. <laughs> but um, I will just very, very quickly uh, talk about one of the cards, one of the first cards, again, that showed up for me when I started reading tarot and one that I have come to love very dearly, even though I'm not always happy to see it, which is the Nine of Swords, mm -hmm. which is about fear. Yeah. And that card, the greatest lesson it has had for me is that fear isn't something to, okay, this sounds silly, but fear isn't something to be afraid of. I think that's, I don't think that's silly at all. It is, it is an indication. Fear, the existence of fear is an indication that potentially something needs to change. Yeah. Um, and that we can, through fear, there can be, an opening for so much more. Yeah, fear is information. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a good place to. I think so. Leave this chat. I think we are coming to a very natural conclusion, mm -hmm. and um, it has been delightful talking with you today. It has been wonderful as always. <laughs> um, the next time we, after this, that we release a podcast, we will be after the winter solstice. We will. So um, we hope everyone listening has a wonderful solstice mm -hmm. or Yuletide or holiday, holiday whatever. whatever version of the winter holidays you uh, celebrate or engage with. We hope it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And um, we will see you at the next dark moon. Yes, we will. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye-bye.